cue the accordion. I've always wanted to say that. Kick back and get comfy while hosts Heather Wenig and her co-hosts from the Early Childhood Nerd Collective explore ways to cause and effect. Dig that funky accordion. Welcome to Cause and Effect. I'm that early childhood nerd, Heather Burnt, and I've got a new board, a new nerd on board with me today, Travis Taggart. Travis, say hello. Hello, everybody. What do you want them to know about you? Oh, well, um, I've been on a couple of these podcasts, none with you yet. <laughs> um, I am 21 years old, going on 22. Um, I own two early childhood education programs here in Nebraska. Um, I also go around and give speeches and workshops at different kinds of conferences and in-service training days, and that's through a company called Progressive Perceptors. We have a Facebook page that's full of all sorts of resources for early childhood education nerds. (laughs) That's awesome. It's a good site. If you've never looked at it, go check it out. Check out his Facebook. Yeah, Um, and I write some blog posts, and I always want other people to help me out writing because I don't write nearly as much as I should. (laughs) Maybe we should combine somehow because I've got a blog that's really neglected too. So maybe we should, <laughs> we should take turns. Maybe or we can fill the gaps. Fill yeah, up those something. gaps. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, I'm going to go ahead and give them the quote that we're going to start with. So, okay. Um, but I. So I'll just read it. Hold on. Establishing lasting peace is the work of education. All politics can do is keep us out of war. Uh, who said that? Maria Montessori said oh, that. Oh, that's right. I forgot. These are all Montessori <laughs> quotes. Um, oh, yes, so they are. And so why did you pick this one for, uh, for us to talk about? Well, I mean, if anyone's ever heard me talk on the other podcasts, um, I actually did a lot of two years of training as a Montessori teacher. We've got a program here in Nebraska that I won't name that does teacher training. And I found that we have a really interesting perception here in America of what Montessori is and what it means. Because a lot of times we... Um, compartmentalize our Montessori times in Montessori schools to certain specific work cycles. I don't really like any of that because really what she had intended by her form of education, her philosophy, was that it was practiced throughout the entire day and not just as a like as if it were a subject of the day was play. Um, So (laughs) it was very interesting to be in a program that claims to teach teachers how to teach Montessori when in reality, a lot of the time we were being told that we should be doing rigidly academically structured things and then take breaks to do Montessori work cycles. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I'm a big (laughs) fan of Maria Montessori. 
Um, <laughs> like I've read her stuff and I love it, but I cringe when I hear people talk about Montessori because it means something different to everybody. And yeah, some people who are doing Montessori, imagine air quotes, everyone, um, <laughs> probably couldn't tell you much about Maria. Yeah, and her philosophy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things where even when I had jumped into this program for learning how to teach Montessori, um, they had given us uh, her book, her book with, that's filled with all of her observations. Um, and it was one of those things where nobody actually read it, and people just kind of did a cliff notes, like looked through cliff notes. And I found actually, I'm pretty sure it's on iTunes's podcast stuff. You can actually look up Maria Montessori's hand book and you can listen to the entire thing read aloud so it was yeah it was one of those things where even though i mean it it was during a different time i mean she died in 1952 so it was a totally different time she was practicing and writing these things in the early 1900s so what we what a lot of people don't like about reading that kind of thing is that it's hard for us to get a lot of that vocabulary a lot of the way that things are phrased to understand Mm -hmm. what exactly she was trying to say especially because it was being translated from italian yeah so even so it gets really difficult for some people and hearing someone else read it and putting the right inflection on the right words somehow makes everything easier to understand so i fully if anyone wants to learn more about her and her philosophy because i know a lot of people especially a lot of people in my camp who believe everything that i believe about education also have this kind of disdain for Montessori because they place what America has turned Montessori into with its yeah. capitalism, its capitalist version of it yeah. with what it is supposed to be and what the um, worldwide Montessori people do. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it bears, there's a whole bunch of differences. So what I like to do, there's a lot of quotes that circulate around the internet about or for, that are from Maria Montessori, and a lot of them wind up on all these teacher pages. No matter if they're the furthest thing from Montessori or not, they will post it. Like I, 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 uh, it, it, I, I struggle <laughs> to, to want to say some things. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who's ever been to my workshops will know that I like to call people out a lot. I curse a lot. Um, I know that Kindercare actually recently released on their Facebook this fo- like this infographic about. Um, that was a, it was just about play and it was a couple of teachers working with a child and it was just a picture of what I, what they want us to assume was probably a kinder care learning center. And on, on this picture, there was a quote from Montessori and I sat there for a while and I was like, why not, not so much who do these people think they are, but who do these people think she was that, that, that what something that she said about early childhood could be applied to what we all know is going on in those places. Right. I've worked, um, I've worked. In yeah. This. Not, not so much that they're doing bad things, but right. so much that they're not really keeping up with what we know to be best practice. They're not play based. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. can say that pretty safely. Yeah. They're yeah. not. Definitely not. Not play um, So it's really important for me. A lot of these quotes that she has that have, a lot less to do with the actual experience of teaching and more to do with the identity of the teacher. Super important to yeah. me. Cause I feel like we get, especially with these podcasts, with all these blogs and stuff, we get to get sucked into this little vacuum, this echo chamber of what it's like to be in the field, working with the kids where we don't really get a lot of time to think about what our identity is and what we want to perceive, perceive teachers as being. Uh-huh. So it's really important for me to share these quotes that, you won't find normally. <laughs> right, right. And so Tiffany and I were just doing some recording and we were talking about uh, 
teacher ego getting in the way of best practice so often. We feel like um, we have an idea of what a teacher looks like and we want to be that. And I think um, I think that, that ties in here because I think a lot of people who want to talk about being Montessori, they, f- they feel like that gives them some validation. Yeah. Right? By hooking that and- label on that they're real as opposed yeah. to just these childcare teachers. And that, yeah. I got no patience for that. Bullshit. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. And so I do, I have this thing that I say in a lot of my workshops that sometimes really angers people, gets people all up in arms. Um, but, it, and I say it in a certain order for a specific reason. Okay. I say it is very easy to become a teacher in America. It is incredibly easy to get that degree. It's one of the easiest degrees you can get. It's one of the easiest jobs you can get but it's one of the hardest jobs to do. And so teachers that are going through university, they're essentially not being prepared for just how difficult this is to do. They, like Some of them are, some of them know going in, maybe because they have parents or they have uncles and aunts who are teachers, friends who have become teachers in the past couple of years. But I know a lot of people who, in retrospect, wish that the the career preparation in college would have been more difficult because without being challenged like that, it's difficult for people to really know exactly what they're about to walk into. And especially because we're focusing a lot on how we can accomplish getting certain curriculum across and not how we work with the kids who might pose a a challenge for us in the classroom. I have a lot of parents who send their kids to school after work or after coming to my program who then are calling me every day because their kid for fidgeting at his desk (laughs) is being sent to the special ed room. And then when they throw a fit for being thrown into this room in Lincoln, Nebraska, they get thrown into a little closet with a door shut. (gasps) What? Yep. Yep. (laughs) I can't remember what the, I I know that they're called. We got to start. Right, right, <laughs> right. It's very, like, oh it's gosh. it's legal. It's yeah. totally okay here in Nebraska. And it's a respected form of discipline in the special education community, I guess. And no, that's it, my motherland, but I got to say it's, no. <laughs> it's horrifying, <laughs> right? It, it's it's horrifying. It's, it's scary. And it's happening. I mean, it's bad enough that it's happening to children who do belong in the special education environment right. because a lot of times they don't know exactly that it's wrong but especially these kids who have just like minor behavioral problems in the classroom who are being sent to the special ed room as if it's a punishment as if that room is a bad place to be or a, or a humiliating place to right. be they get sent there and then they are they know that it's that they shouldn't be there they know that in their heart somewhere ethically this is not right yeah. and so they get even worse to be thrown in there and then they get that branding, that label. Does and so chambers know about this? <laughs> <laughs> I I am certain he is like aware he because he knows this. everything. <laughs> um, I gotta make uh, it it's, it's it's yeah, it's really interesting, but it kind of goes back to this is a solution that they've come up with because the problem is that teachers in these regular classrooms are not prepared to deal right. with kids that challenge the way that they're doing things, yeah. which goes back circles back to it is easy to get this job it is easy to have the get education for this job but this job is not easy to do well i would go just a little bit further on that i agree with it 100 percent. but i think the job is not easy to do if you're doing it right it can be a very easy job yeah if your hardest decision is is it time to throw this kid in a closet or not 
Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, or if you're if you're sitting on the side on your cell phone and it just annoys you when you have to get up when kids yeah. are having a fist fight, like right. it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. then it can be a very easy job. But if you're really trying to stay current and do what's right and be involved, then it's then it's the hardest work. Yep, yep. And so what I wanted to kind of do with this quote, I'll say it again, establishing lasting peace is the work of education. All politics can do is keep us out of war. Um, I know that how we practice this art and this science, and maybe that's a, maybe my calling this an art and a science is a topic for a different episode. (laughs) How we practice this art and this science is not determined by the bureaucratic policies that define how it must be offered to our communities. So Like, for instance, I'll say that one more time because this is a quote from one of my workshops. How (laughs) we practice this art and this science is not determined by the bureaucratic policies that define how it must be offered to our communities. Um, So what I mean by that is if you're working in an environment that's dictating how to do your job based on regulations or something, so like a lot of us have DHHS regulations or um, Department of Education interferes in a lot of things or intervenes, interferes, whatever. Um, Becomes uh, involved. (laughs) Um, It's possible that, so if you're feeling that how you must interact with kids is being dictated by regulations or your quality program or accreditation, it's possible that the business owner or the um, administrator's responsibilities are actually being pushed onto you. Mm-hmm. So if I'm saying that I cannot let kids paint because we need to be able to clean up quickly, that's not something that I as a teacher should be worried about. That's something that the administration sh- is supposed to be worried about facilitating. So if I need an extra person, if I need different cleaning supplies... That's not something that I should be worried about. I should be able to have the freedom to do certain things in this classroom. Um, most states' regulations only dictate how we interact on children based on discipline. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, if I'm going, like in Nebraska, I know it's in Nebraska and Oklahoma, um, Kansas also has this too, where it's like, you cannot find any regulations about how teachers must behave other than don't hit kids, mm-hmm. don't don't spank kids, don't throw them in closets. Right. Don't That's them specifically up. in Indiana rules. <laughs> right? Um, so, it's, so this idea that I can't do X because it's against regulations is usually a lie or it's just it's something that the business is supposed to be facilitating that we're not supposed to be worried about. So a lot of people who just, oh, I need to do this because it's the law. First of all, I will argue that regulations are not laws. Second of all, <laughs> I will argue that you are not being regulated other than to not let kids disappear and to not beat them. That's really all that there is. Um, and at the same time, this even goes this goes further into um, places where pre-K is now part of the public school system. And this goes for elementary school teachers, too, is that they can't tell you how to execute or administer curricula. They just they can't do it. It it would it would destroy education as a field for people if they were being told how they must execute curricula. Now, we are being they're being told how to teach certain concepts and what but concepts. that doesn't yeah and yeah. what concepts to teach. But they're not it's not being regulated to how they get that point across. Um, so when I hear te- like when I hear teachers say that they can't do they can't interact with kids a certain way because of common core or regulations or quality rating. 
I think that just to me either means they're too lazy to actually read what's going on, they're too lazy to actually know what's going on, or their administrators are just lying to them, which happens all the time. They're lying to them about what their um, responsibilities are under these new laws, new regulations, um, and they're just going along with it because why not just trust your administrators? Yeah. Um, I think both, at least in my experience, um, licensing regulations and like NACI accreditation criteria are so broad that mm-hmm. if you're comfortable enough in your philosophy and you can articulate why you're doing what you're doing, you can make it fit rather than using it as an excuse to not try to make it fit. You can exactly. make it fit and that's our responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're in this for kids, like we all say we are, then, then we've got, we can't be lazy. That's, I mean, the short, yeah. we can't be lazy. Sure. And, and, and we have to be critical thinkers. Yeah. And government intervention is there to hold us to the lowest possible standard. Right. Um, and that's really because it's there to hold us accountable for how we run our businesses. And it's good. It's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. In this sense, it's keeping us um, out of totally damaging children um, or getting them sick or getting them injured. It's not there to tell us what's right, how to do what's right, or how to avoid what's doing wrong. And I think that's where a lot of people get unnecessarily upset with their regulations yeah. in their state or their um, quality rating system is because they'll, they'll be sitting here thinking, I have to do all of this for my program, whereas there's all these people that are skating by just doing the bare minimum on the regulations. And it's like, but that's why the regulations are there. If you think that they should be held to a higher standard, you need to vote certain people into office, talk to your licensors and talk yeah. to their um, – Talk to, I, I know for us, they have uh, supervisors and stuff like that that help shape how things change over time. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's the all of the regulations are there to hold us to the lowest possible standard. And even if we have an issue with what they're considering to be the lowest possible standard, if we think that's too much, you can almost always skate by not doing that and having alternative compliance. Yeah. Uh, if, I, if I don't agree with something that's on in the literature in the um, regulations that we're supposed to be held by, I will email my licensor and ask for alternative compliance that says, I know why this rule exists. I know the reason behind it. And I want to execute a different rule for the same reason that lets me do what I'm supposed, what I feel I need to do. And most of the time, as long as that's documented in paper, it doesn't matter how many times your licensor changes, you will be able to keep that standard Mm -hmm. And it's not that difficult to do. Yeah. A teacher can do it. I've had teachers in my program email my licensor without me knowing just oh. to get just to get alternative yeah. compliance. And that's that should be happening. Yeah. We should be taking that kind of responsibility. Yeah, that's when I was a center director. Um, whenever I talked to one of my teachers about licensing, we always looked at the intent because you can get caught in the letter of the law and mm-hmm. and paralyze yourself because you feel like you can't do anything. But if you look at the intent behind the regulation, why is this here? is what we want to do meeting that intent, then I can make a good case for that. That's just, you know, just mm-hmm. what you're talking about. It's looking yeah. at the intent, not just the black and white. Um, yeah, for sure. And um, 
the politics of public education and established norms in how we perceive education, it's all so dependent on what corporations want their next generation of employees to be like. Right. And and we don't have to adhere to that standard. So when when I have people who come into my program looking to tour it and they are just baffled at the idea that I'm not making kids sit at tables and do worksheets, that's that's something that you need to bring up to them. It's that, you know the reason that you have this perception of what a classroom is supposed to look like is because that's what corporations want this next generation of workers to look like. And in a way, that's not so bad because we do want kids to have jobs going into the future. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it should not be indoctrinated into them right. at this young age. And that should be something that when they know what they want to do or they're deciding what they want to do in college, then those skills of being mundane and... <laughs> and yeah. compliant to everything you can get those then but when you're teaching yeah. it to young kids it has this whole different dimension where it's because it becomes ingrained in their personality and not just a skill that they wind up being able to possess yeah. from 8 to 5 p 8 a.m to 5 p.m it becomes something that's part of them from the time they wake up to the time they go to sleep yeah. and it's it's what causes this issue <laughs> where people just want to see what's normal and what's what everybody else is doing as what is supposed to be happening and what's right. Well, and there's some compelling research out there indicating that children and adults are different. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, so I this disagree. whole idea <laughs> this whole idea that this is what we want them to look like when they're adults. So this is what we're going to force them to try and look like as children is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> because, oh goodness because and there's well, so much between here and there <laughs> yeah and you know that's this is why i mean i <laughs> i don't mean to contribute to the echo chamber but i mean sometimes you just have to indulge this yeah. is why play is so important yes. because you get to cover a great amount of data while also ensuring that children have the right skills with which to interact positively with their peers and yeah. stand up for themselves when the social environment becomes negative um, and to think for themselves and really establish peaceful attitudes. Yeah. Um, and that's why I like circled it back to establishing lasting peace being the work of education. It's You can do everything at the same time. It can all be one big one big one part of a bigger thing for everybody involved so when you're when you're talking about um we need to we can't be focused on playing all day because we need to know abc one two three it you start to you start to separate the concept of self and knowledge to where knowledge is something that you possess like it's like it's a gift that's given to you and not something that you can go out and get right. for yourself like you can't yeah you want to be able you want kids to be able to forage for their own knowledge mm -hmm. um and you can actually meet all those curricular requirements by just putting the information out there to be foraged mm -hmm. Um, you can be a lighthouse sitting there guiding people around, staying in the same place so that they know where you are. And when they come to you asking questions, you can answer these questions and just drop these Easter eggs everywhere <laughs> in that environment, in that classroom. Yeah. Yeah. It's super important. Yeah. And I think there, I mean, I, the, I made a joke about the research before, but there really is research now that's showing us that more and more employers are wanting uh, people who can think outside of the box and take initiative and find creative ways to solve problems. So we're getting a little bit, if you look at um, 
information about positive approaches to learning, um, uh, the book that comes to mind is engaged in enthusiastic learners or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, there's just as good a case to be made that employers are looking for what children gain best through play as there mm-hmm. is to make a case that they're wanting people who can sit and obey. Yeah. They may think they want people who can sit and obey until there's a problem at work. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, why can't you solve the problem yourself? Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Good you question. know, as someone who has worked in childcare as a teacher and then started my own programs where I have to be the boss, it's becoming increasingly evident that with a lot of the people who went through public school and went like even went through public school teacher training through the university, getting their education degrees and then subsequently getting jobs mm-hmm. with public schools, it It's so interesting to me how many times I get phone calls for things that I should not be getting phone calls for, like questions, concerns, all these different things. I'm just like, why can't this be solved without me? What what needs (laughs) to happen? But when you're being trained that no decision is yours to make and that it's not that nothing is up to you, really, as far as important decisions go, it I mean, it's just something that happens. It's collateral damage that yeah. winds up infecting everybody with this system. Yeah. And we we all know it's not working and we can all just guff about how horrible it is and how we want it to change, especially with this new presidential administration. There's a lot of new stuff that could happen, hasn't happened yet, but could happen. Yeah. Um, and so we just have to make sure we're keeping an eye out for our community, keeping an eye out for children in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and because accepting if, our responsibility to do that. Yep, like, and if if you don't, speak out if you're not there on the front lines helping out then you don't really have the right to then complain and complain and complain because a lot of a lot of teachers this whole common core thing they don't like it but when there were being um certain uh like if, for here in nebraska in the unicameral they have open hearings mm-hmm. for things like yeah. this and a lot of times when, and I hate to say this, but there's that's one of the things that I wind up agreeing with certain Republican pundits on, is that if you All don't right, this want podcast is over. <laughs> if, if you don't want if they didn't want this thing to happen, they should have seen it coming and done something about it. And even if you did something and failed, then you still have the right to complain. You still have the right to be yeah. so upset about it. Yeah. But when I see people, and this goes for regulations too, because regulations change all the time. And I'm getting emails every day for our city. The city of Lincoln, Nebraska is sending different things for their new um, code mm-hmm. regarding child child care. And they're sending me something in the mail every almost every week, yeah. reminding me like, hey, we're having hearings about things changing. And I can promise you if i went to these hearings it would be me maybe four other people Uh and that's 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 kind of the extent of it that's how yeah that's how apathetic someone else is gonna do it Mm -hmm. or we say i'm just a teacher i they're not gonna listen to me right well then be louder you know make them listen (laughs) to you you can do you can do it and i think the foremost um changer for social justice is that you have to realize how much of a minority you are like when when you are part of a thought when you're part of a group of thought that is so i'm, I'm not gonna say looked down upon but so alternative that it just freaks people out <laughs> yeah then you have the responsibility if you care about it to actually be 
impassioned enough to actually go out and say something and be loud about it. Because if you can't be loud about it and defend yourself, you're never going to be able to do well. Uh-huh. It's just not going to work out. If if you own a business and you want to have this philosophy under your belt and have this as something that it, you want to attract people in with, you also have to be ready to get into those arguments. Like I have had so many really impassioned arguments and debates with parents who even knowing my philosophy, sent their kids to me and then took issue with everything about it after two weeks of being there. And so you have to be ready. You have to be ready for that kind of conflict. And that's another thing that the school system kind of robs us all of is if we're constantly sending kids away to different rooms or into timeout when conflict arises, we're rewarding the the kids who are getting... We're rewarding the kids who don't get sent to timeout um, for not being able to handle their own conflict. Well, and the teachers are modeling that they don't have the skills. Yeah. They're modeling poor skills. Yeah. Um, so it, it makes no sense to me that we get stuck in that cycle, but boy, do we get stuck in that cycle. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it has a really easy solution, or it has a really easily determined solution Mm -hmm. but it's hard to execute so we all know what we're supposed to do but then it's really difficult for us to get the the goal to do it right right well we can add this tiffany and i are starting our own college oh nice (laughs) and we'll add some of this to our teacher training i i think i think in addition to this new college we need to have our own um accreditation our okay. own our own means of accreditation yeah. it like because i'll say it a million times that accreditation means nothing it's something that you get to hang up and so i am certain that we could just have yeah this beautiful yeah. play-based accreditation but it's so and, much work that means right nothing. right and it's and it's also so exciting like this whole that whole concept would be so exciting because of the fact that how you do play can be so dynamically different in each program with each group of kids and change uh-huh. every year that yeah. it really just doesn't even, it doesn't even need paperwork. It yeah. just needs mindful people yeah. visiting a program, looking around and saying, is this good for kids? Right. That could be the only piece of paper, just one line. Is this good for kids? Yes yeah. or no. And that, I mean, that would be so ideal. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. We'll work that in. in the first place. <laughs> we'll work that in. <laughs> We'll bring you in on the board of directors. It's called Perfect. Tiffany and Heather's Republic. Oh, love it. <laughs> so far. God. Wonderful. All right. We probably should wrap this one up. I know we're going to do another one, so I'm, I, I will, I'm looking forward to that. Any last thoughts about this quote, though, before we finish up? Um, I just want to remind everybody that it's how to do your job is not defined by the government. It doesn't tell you how to do your job. You can always find a way around everything. <laughs> Just make sure that everything you do and every loophole you go through is in the best interest of the children and not just to be lazy. Right. That's all. That's right. pretty it's much not, all I've got. Not adult <laughs> convenience. It's the child's yep. best interest. Yeah. All yep, right. Well, thanks, sure. Travis. This was great. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Tune in again for another episode of Cause and Effect. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.